Grace and peace to you from our Lord and Savior, Jesus Christ. You know how lemon tastes? Ever just bit into one? How they're so bitter and bitter and sour and, well, bitter. It's not something most people would voluntarily do. I can't imagine anybody doing that on purpose, except for Stephanie, of course. When we, were, when we were dating, she used to love that. We would sit down and get water with lemon, and she'd just pop the lemons in her mouth. I'm still not sure if it was the taste of the lemon that she enjoyed so much or just tormenting me. At least some things in our relationship never change. Personally, this is just me personally. I think personally the only way to enjoy, to really enjoy a lemon is to juice it Take the juices of the lemon, combine it with water and a little sugar, and make lemonade, right? That's what the trite worldly phrase says. If life gives you lemons, make lemonade. I like lemonade. Lemonade's not bad. Take the, the lemon and the sweetness of the sugar, and you combine them, and they, they, it's, it's really an ingenious invention. It's probably more useful than the car. You know, because it just mellows everything out, thus making a wonderfully refreshing and satisfying drink. And our more in our, our reading this morning, Jesus is sending out messengers. He is sending them out into the towns in which he intends to visit on his way to Jerusalem. Now, this doesn't initially make very much sense to us. I mean, after all, Jesus in our readings from chapter 9 has just been rejected at one town of the Samaritans. He's been rejected out of hand, and now Jesus is going on to more and more towns. But these messengers are different. Unlike the previous messengers that Jesus has sent out, Jesus sends these 72 messengers out completely destitute. I mean, they are destitute. They have, been, they, they have taken no extra bag for money. They're not taking a bag for sundry items, commonly what we might have known at the time as a beggar's bag, not even a backpack. They can take no bag for, for extra things, no, no extra jacket, no extra shoes, not even a carry-on. They have no extra supplies at all. They're just simply being sent out. In fact, the worldly wisdom would tell you they're... They're going to be in for a rough time. Even Jesus states that you're going to be at the mercy of those of whom you meet and not the people that you meet on the road. People tend to be pretty, pretty, pretty easy to going on the road in that day. You just sort of talk to people as you go. He says, don't engage the people as you're traveling. Engage the people in the town after you've gotten to the town. Jesus himself says, I'm sending you out like lambs among the wolves. I'm not sending you out like sheep, by the way. Not sheep, lambs. Because an adult sheep at least has a chance to run away from the wolf. I'm not sending you out as a full-grown sheep. I'm sending you out as a little bitty lamb. Bye. You are lambs among wolves. Totally, utterly defenseless and at their mercy. From the time you walk into that town until the time that you leave. So these 
30-something pair of messengers set out to make ready for the coming of Jesus. However, Jesus doesn't send them out with anything at all. They have a very important gift to bring under the people that they meet. The news that the kingdom of God is coming near and peace. They're bringing peace. News that the kingdom is coming in peace. They're not coming with material blessings, but they have the word and they have the promises of God. The job of this 30, 36, boy, I wish I could do math. 36 groups of men. Get out. Go. Go and give to those who will receive from you your peace. And how do you give peace? The peace of God is the sweet assurance of reconciliation. It is, it is the sugar of eternal life. It counteracts the bitterness and the hardship of fleshly life. God's peace comes to us in prayer, a bit of time, a consolation of the saints, a listening ear. The peace of God, to a big sense, the peace of God is a peace of you that you have given of your time and energy and been a connector. These 72 were to give the peace of God, but, what, but what, what really is that peace? Webster's Dictionary calls peace an end of hostilities, but that's the third definition. Usually, and when I think of peace, I think of the end of hostilities. But that's not even the primary definition of peace. The primary definition of, of peace, Webster says, is a state of calm. The second definition is a freedom from disturbing thoughts. Wouldn't that be nice? I don't think any of these things you can call true peace of God, though. I mean, a state of calm is great. I like to be calm. I try to be calm. <laughs> I try. <laughs> it's hard. <laughs> Especially the Facebook. Have you ever seen this Facebook thing? That kind of calm might be better called tranquility. I can get that when I put my phone away and I forget where I leave it. <laughs> Tranquil. Freedom from disturbing thoughts is really just contentment, I would say, or maybe self-medication in some circles. Babysitters. <laughs> you want freedom from disturbing thoughts? I recommend getting yourself a babysitter and leaving people with other people and then just go and do your own thing. Most recovering addicts state that the reason for their substance abuse in the first place was to escape the bitterness of the world. Many say peace is contentment, but contentment, I don't think, is real peace. Anybody can find contentment. You can find contentment outside of God. People get the warm and fuzzies over almost anything you can think of, from puppies to jobs to houses. Peace is more than a feeling. Peace is more than think happy thoughts. Peace is more than turn that frown upside down. True peace is more than an experience. Some say being on the top of Mount Everest is, is peaceful or, or skydiving is peaceful. I can't imagine falling at 9.8 meters per second square being peaceful. But I've also never tried it, so I don't know. Maybe, maybe it does work. 
overcoming fear of heights, a wonderful experience, but the peace of God, I think, is it's so much more than thrill-seeking. At some point, the tranquility of a campfire, the quiet of a mountain, the, the awe of watching the ocean, but peace is more than, it's more than, it's more than the absence of noise. In the Inferno, Dante says that he was wandering over the mountains of Italy one day, and eventually he drew near to a lonely, secluded monastery. At the time, his mind was racked with internal conflicts. His career was going very slow. So Dante was seeking refuge from the bitterness and the strife of the world. And so he knocked at the monastery gate, which was opened by a monk who, in a single glance, at his sad, pale face, read his pathetic message of misery and sorrow. What do you seek here, he said. With a gesture of despair, the poet replied, Peace. It is the same old craving year after year, decade after decade, generation after generation, followed by the same old search, and neither the solitary high places can bring peace. The acolyte's chamber does not bring peace. A well-written classic novel that might bring you money doesn't necessarily bring you peace. You see, peace doesn't come from internal sources. Peace doesn't come from our feelings. It doesn't come from our experiences. It doesn't come from our emotions. It doesn't come from our our quietness. Peace is not something that we create and gin up from inside of us. Peace comes from an external source. Peace comes from outside of us. We can have it in the winter of old age or the spring of our youth. God gives it to the lowly cottages and to the most stateliest of mansions, to those in distressing pain and those who are in the confidence of help. The mystery of God's peace is our fellowship with Him. And that peace He has put on us. You are in fellowship with the Lord God Almighty. And that brings peace. Christ is a shelter through the tempests. Christ is the haven of the soul's rest. God's peace is an objective statement of reality. It is in, with, and under us. It transcends our experiences. It transcends our fleeting feelings and our moods that seem to change day to day. Maybe hour by hour. Christ has made a declaration of peace between us and the Father. And that declaration of peace is real, and it is tangible, and it is discernible. I almost scrapped this sermon in the, in the context of writing it because I, I felt like I'd gotten to a point where I didn't know what else to say, and I hadn't really made a gospel message yet. <laughs> I thought, I'm just going to throw all of this away and go to the Galatians, which I thought would be a really easy sermon to write. I couldn't put it down to that finest of point. It's Paul in Philippians that helps us to recover our sense of what peace is. He says that the peace of God transcends our understanding. When that whole line is put together, we call it the votum. It's a little benediction that is given after the sermon. 
I have to tell you, I felt a little silly when I went, it's the photo. A little benediction that I think I've heard three or four hundred times that I keep trying to put back into my own sermons and forget all the time. It is the violence of Jesus' death that brings reconciliation between God and man. It is the cross of Calvary itself that brings peace from God to man. It is Jesus who places himself in the breach between God and man. And on the cross, Jesus suffered the most peaceless of experiences. He was separated from God the Father. The burdens of the sins of the world were placed upon him. And just as Jesus is cut off from the Father, banished from the love of God, the purpose was to bring us peace, to bring us real peace. A peace that allows us to mourn our loved ones, knowing that they have gone on to the bosom of their Father and yet still rejoice that they have gone to a better place. Now the worldly wisdom would tell you that those 70-some those messengers, those 72 messengers were in for a hard time. I tell you, they were not. For they didn't have clothes, they didn't have a backpack, they didn't have a carry-on, they didn't have any extra money, but they had peace with God. And that peace makes all the difference in the world. Those 70 returned rejoicing. They didn't come back to Jesus sullen. They didn't come back broken. They didn't come back beaten or dejected. They came back rejoicing. For the harvest is indeed plentiful. And you are witnesses of these things. You are carriers of this peace that God has made with you. You are pieces of of the peace of God. Now may this peace of God, which surpasses all understandings, guard your hearts and minds in Christ Jesus. Amen.